Welcome to the Actuaries in the Wild podcast. I started this podcast because I believe that actuaries are more than just your stereotypical number cruncher that sits at a computer all day. Many of us have endeavors that go beyond the traditional actuarial realm. My goal is to meet those actuaries who have ventured from their desks to explore their passions. It's time to meet the actuaries in the wild. Today's actuary in the wild is Dominic Lee. Dominic, tell the viewers a little bit about yourself. Hi, Jeremy. Great to meet you and, and good to be here on the first episode. And congratulations on starting your podcast. Thank your you. First podcast. My name is Dominic Lee. Uh, so I'm an actuary. For those of you who aren't familiar with me, I by day I, I work at SAS as a senior solutions advisor. So I'm in the software uh, space for risk solutions for the insurance market in North America. I also which we're going to talk about a lot. We right. started our content community, Maverick Actuary, a year ago, and we are on all of the 12 major social platforms. My website came out about three weeks ago. And our mission, our overarching mission, is to maximize impact and value upon professionals on a global scale. Personally, in terms of me, I'm from Jamaica, uh, but I've been living in the States for probably a couple of decades now. So I yeah. came, here, came here towards the end of high school, went to boarding school, um, went to grad school here. I went to, went to undergrad briefly as well. Actuarial science major, then went into the insurance world. Uh, you know, what's interesting with when you think of introducing yourself, you talk about what do I do outside the office? One of the things I tell people is that when you're in the content community and you, you do that very seriously, it kind of becomes a way of life. Yeah. I always think of it as gaming. Well, not exactly the same, but you know how you have people who, who are gamers so whether they are playing Halo or Call of Duty, and it's kind of like a lifestyle, you know, so it's it's just something that I've integrated into my life. I, I make a lot of content across different platforms. And I enjoy it. It's not a chore for me. I do have, uh, you know, very concrete goals that I'm trying to accomplish with Maverick Actuary. Uh, but in addition to the content stuff, which is really more of a, a more of a recent thing in the past few years, uh, really enjoy sports. I, I grew up as a competitive swimmer in Jamaica. Uh, went to every competition apart from the Olympics. So yeah, got great, um, had a great career, very fortunate there. My favorite sports is uh, soccer or football, as we call it in Jamaica. Uh, and yeah, so I, I keep, I don't keep up as much as I should with, with European football, <laughs> but I, I do watch the Champions League final every year at a minimum. And I try to get in some of the knockout games. Uh, I do also enjoy playing football sometimes. I haven't played in a while uh, since, you know, since the pandemic came they really haven't, well, I shouldn't say they haven't been in any leagues, but I guess I kind of, right. I kind of haven't done a good job of, of um, staying in shape. So I'm working on that. But in general, I like, you know, I like a good pickup game here and there. So that's a little bit about me. Hope that helps to, to give you some. And, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more about you. And, and one of the things I, I kind of thought about when you say you introduce yourself, a lot of actuaries are, and maybe a lot of people in the business world, when they ask you to introduce yourself, a lot of it that you really talk about is they introduce yourself as here's my job. Here's what I do oh, in yeah, the day to day. And they don't really talk about, okay, here's what I do outside my yeah. job. And then part of what I want to do with Actuaries in the Wild is talk about yeah. what you want to do outside your job. But first, I actually do want to go back into just a little bit more information about your background in your actuarial career. Why did you decide you wanted to become an actuary? Great question. I've, I've had some good practice with this one because <laughs> I feel like I get asked this all the time. But yeah. Essentially, three reasons. 
and I will say that the order is very suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> I will admit, had I gone back in time, the order would have been reversed. But if I had to talk about it, like three main reasons from most important to least important at the time. The first was money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking I was going to be rich. You know, this profession makes a lot of people make a lot of money in this profession. So being young, of course, wanting to, to go out on my own and be independent, um, money was like the first draw to the profession. Then the second one was the competitive nature of the exam structure and how you right. yeah. get into the profession. Being a competitive swimmer, for me, it felt like a natural transition. I was looking for something. Given that I had recently retired from competitive swimming, I was looking for something to to motivate me and, and um, to channel that competitive energy elsewhere. So that was number two. And then number three, which perhaps should have been number one, was wanting to find a way to apply my my mathematical skills uh, in more of a business context. And, and, I, and I, I was a very attracted to the multidisciplinary nature of it. So I think that that is perhaps the most constructive reason. Yeah. And that's number one, but it was number three. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of uh, beginning actuaries. The exams is a big part of what why you get into the field, and it's and a lot of them see that as oh, all I have to do is pass exams, you know, to 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 get ahead. And so it's really a level playing field for for a lot of them. Of course, the exams are not easy, as you know. We both have been through the exams, so it's it's not something where you just oh go take an exam and you and pass and it's easy because it's a lot of work to get through that. Um, you talked about that you work at SAS uh, and your title is Senior Actuary and Senior Solutions Advisor, Risk Research and Quantitative Solutions. So that's quite a long title. Can you give a brief summary of what you do at SAS? Yeah, it just sounds very long. The risk research and quantitative part, that's probably why it, it sounds so long. But essentially, yeah. I work in on, on the pre-sales team for North America. So what, I'll take a step back. When you think of SAS, a lot of actuaries, you might think of something like Enterprise Guide, using using SAS as a tool to do basic data wrangling, right. maybe you're pulling data from a structured data source like Teradata. What a lot of actuaries may not know is that SAS is more than just like a programming language. It's a, through VIA. VIA is a, the most modern, most recent platform. That's our, our platform. It's an end-to-end -end platform. And we do have what we call like very dedicated business content on that. So mm -hmm. we have solutions that are uh, specified towards what we call use cases. So for instance, if you think of pricing and reserving to an actuary, that's a function, but from a software right. perspective, that's a use case. So we have recently came up with a solution called dynamic actuarial modeling as an example that has pricing capabilities for property and casualty. It has AI machine learning capabilities and several other features. So we, yeah, we do have uh, within, within the team I work on, we, we are mar selling uh, marketing risk solutions and positioning them for the North American insurance market. So it's interesting because I'm on the opposite end of the table now. I get to my clients are now insurance companies where I okay. work for an insurance company. We're selling, we're seeking to sell software to insurance companies. So in, on my team, our goal is, overarching goal is to maximize software revenue for the sales organization. But I'm on the, I'm on the front end of the transaction. I'm, help, I'm, I'm helping to educate the customers. I'm doing product demos. But also internally, the third thing is, I'm helping to educate SaaS on insurance in terms of what trends are happening in the market and how you can position the solutions for specific use cases. What use cases make sense? What use cases uh, don't make sense? I see. So that that is, that is the a very brief summary of my role. It's, it's it's really interesting. A couple more things I'll add. Very different, of course, not just being in the the, the pre-sales organization, but I get exposure to other things that actuaries would 
probably never seen right. their job, like business development. You know, yeah, I have a good network and I'm able to leverage that to bring, you know, to at least identify prospects and to communicate with them and, and work with them and, and hopefully sell something to them. Also get to work on things like email marketing campaigns, social media marketing campaigns. We did a video campaign last year, which was pretty successful. So yeah, it is really interesting. It's, I, I, sometimes I do miss some of the, because, you know, because I'm not an insurance company, we don't always have a ton of like transactional data. So I, I do miss that part sometimes, but it's, it's a different skill set. I'm very close to the technology side. I get to understand the technology stacks and how those are configured, which is a different part of your brain. And I, and I think it, it does give me a different view on things, which I do appreciate. Right. So I, I would assume this job is, is really helps you with a lot of the skills that you're trying to really impart on people with a Maverick Actuary, which, which you mentioned that you started last year. Tell us a little bit about what the Maverick Actuary is and what your motivation was for starting it. Okay. So in, in terms of what it is, I'll just give the one word answer, then I'll work backwards. Yeah, it's, a sure. content, it's a multi-platform content community across all the major social platforms. And like I said, we just had our website. But taking a step back in terms of where we where where this idea came from, I was uh, you know I, I started my career in property and casualty insurance. Worked for, at a large carrier for almost ten years. Mm-hmm. Went through their rotational program. Very classical or traditional way to start your career in in insurance as an actuary. Uh, you know the the leadership program was focused on developing three things: business acumen. So helping you to understand what the insurance business right. is to different areas, analytical expertise, helping you to get the technical skills you need, uh, be able to do you know some of the core things actually need to do like pricing, reserving, and then leadership expertise, giving opportunities to to manage, delegate, work on uh, lead committees and and things of that nature. Uh, so did that for ten years and you know got exposure to uh, personal lines, commercial lines, and specialty, right. and then. Did a, a couple of shorter moves within insurance and got to the point where I realized that this, um, you know, a combination of personal circumstances, but just me re- also realizing that was not the the most the primary insurance environment wasn't uh, very compatible with my personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was in between jobs, I had a lot of time to reflect, and it just happened to be during the pandemic, in the midst of right in the middle of 2020. And I had a lot of time to be observant, see what was happening on television. And the one thing that stood out to me was that there were no actuaries on television right. or in the media to helping to, you know, unpack and explain and disentangle what was happening from a risk management perspective. And while the crisis was largely a health, you know, health crisis or the public health crisis. There, there, the risk management aspect I felt was very heavily undermined, um, and I, I didn't personally I didn't think that the people who were tasked with solving it were qualified to do so. For the most part, whether it was a coronavirus task force, mm-hmm. like I said, the people who were discussing this thing in the media and um, the people who were working, you know, in the government, essentially, all the people who were making making the, the executive, if you think of like the like at a state and local level, the governors, and like I said, I don't know for sure exactly who was advising them, but you know, for all I know, like, I don't know. I, I, I definitely didn't get the impression that actually yeah. played a really large role, at least. And, and, and by the way, I've since learned that there were 
that, that this was slightly different in other geographies. So at the time, my observations were specific to North America. I've right. since, since been educated that in, in the UK, there was a lot of activity going on. There's a COVID actuary response group. I've been fortunate to network with some of them with interview one of their members on my podcast. So it was great to see that there was some activity in other parts of the world, still not as much as I would want to see. So having made that observation, I kind of got frustrated and I was thinking, well, what can I do? I mean, I'm just one person. What can I do to, to help raise awareness of this issue? And I was speaking at a, a conference coming up and I decided to do a textile talk. I, uh, you know, I was in between jobs. I had some time to work on this and I just happened to be watching TED Talks. You know, I, I, right. I, I always kind of like them. You know, I like like Michael, Michael Gladwell, um, what's his name, Dan Pink and some of these guys. And I just kind of started binge watching them. And I realized that, wow, like this is, these are very effective. They're 20 minutes long or well, between, I think it's between six to 20 minutes. You know, some of them are on the right. shorter side, but no more than 20 minutes. And they're extremely effective. And I thought of some of the challenges within, which we'll, we'll eventually get to, I guess, within the profession in terms of our effectiveness or lack thereof at presenting. So I thought I had an opportunity to do two things. One is to show how do you affect, how do you present effectively? And two is to directly address uh, the actuarial value proposition itself and what, where we are today, what we are capable of and, and what some of those gaps are between where we are today and, and what we can, where we can be in the future. So that, so the textile talk happened in June and then it got like lots of attention. Right. I, you know, I did very heavily on LinkedIn and based on the traction it got, I decided that I wanted to take things a step further. I had been on LinkedIn for probably since 2013 and this was what, 2020. So I've been on LinkedIn for a long time wasn't posting as much in the first few years, maybe not as much until like 2016, 17-ish. But um, I decided to start expanding across other platforms. So I started, right. I mean, I was on Instagram for years, a personal Instagram, but right. started doing Instagram as, as a business Instagram, then went to TikTok, Twitter. And before you know it, probably by February, I was on all the 12. I, I'm not producing actively on every single platform, but I do have a presence on all of the 12 major social platforms. I won't go through the list, but yeah. you can Google to figure out which ones they are. And my website does show, you know, the bottom of my website does have links to all of them. So yeah, that, so, so that's, um, that's where that was the origin of Maverick Actuary. And then things have been happening um, over time. Like, honestly, I had no idea where this was going to be at the end of 2021. I was, you know, I had some good opportunities uh, in 2021 with the textile talk. And then I had the opportunity to speak at the CAS meeting, did a session on my own, which was, which I'm very proud of. And that was a very tough undertaking because usually three people do the sessions and mm -hmm. usually to be fair, like, I mean, no offense to anyone, but typically the sessions are more just recycled sessions from, you know, from something that someone presented at work and they're just kind of rejiggering the slides. Right. But what I did was from scratch, we did a topic that's never been done before. Social media analytics is a very fairly new topic, of course, because social media is still in its infancy. And um, so I was very proud of, I spent that all the time last year, spent that on speaking and develop, and um, taking those skills to the next level. Of course, I've been presenting within corporate for several years, but this was no more like with both of those talks, both of them having a professional team, having professional graphic designers, professional producers, for the textile talk for sure and then and then for um the cas meeting again professional graphic designers professional 
storyboarders and stuff like that. So right. it really took it to the next level. Wasn't sure what's going to happen in 2022, but in this year, no, no, it was more about content on the platforms, me producing like short form content, video and, and, and things of that nature. And it, you know, the podcast live with the Maverick, I started that, that started out as it was almost accidental. Right. I was doing lives on Instagram. You know, you have the capability to go live and of course, and talk to your followers. And I wanted to just make to make it more interesting. So I decided to put together a short list of people I thought might be interesting. Right. Didn't think they would all say yes. One or two of them did say no, but a few of them said yes. And we got a couple of them booked. And before you know it, you know, today we had, so we started in, I think we started in May. Now we're in what, October. And today was episode 22 and I have, I'm booked for the next 10 episodes. So it's, yeah. Podcast has really taken off. It's not just on Instagram. No, it's on um, several audio platforms and it's, um, you know, I'm very excited about the guests that we have. I, you know, I, I don't announce the guests in advance, so we'll see within the next few weeks. But I, we, I booked one that I thought was going to be really exciting today. And, and the next few ones are going to be very good. Well, that's so, good. Yeah. And, and I think I, I, I haven't announced my guests on this, and I, but I, I have uh, one, one. My next guest is one that you had on, on yours, too, which, which I think oh, people will be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to follow up, if you don't mind, just real oh, quick. Yeah, I, go I, ahead. I left out one important thing. So we are a content community, but in terms of the overarching objective, so mm -hmm. this is tied now directly to my, my initial observations from the Testile talk. The overarching objective is to maximize the impact and value of quant professionals on a global scale. So impact and value, we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. But um quant professionals, it started with actuary, so yeah. We started with only actuaries, and then I realized that there is a there is this. It's not well. It's not identical across every single prof, uh, profession itself. I, I think that numbers people tend to have some of the same challenges. They oftentimes tend to get overshadowed. People expect them right. to sit behind the screen, and in my opinion, their impact is largely diminished as a result. So it's it's to help quant professionals, people who are numbers people across several domains. The main three that we focus on are actuaries, risk managers, and then, I guess, analytics slash data science. Uh, those are the three I'm focused on right now. But it, I mean, anyone, my, my definition, my personal definition of quant profession is like anyone who spends like 50% or more of their time in, in um, behind a spreadsheet or in a script editor. That's my definition of it. Everyone, people may have right. a different opinion, but those are the people I'm focused on helping with my brand. So you you mentioned as part of this that uh, the actuaries didn't really have an influence uh, when you saw some of these major things on TV. I'll, I'll actually say I I I noticed when this whole pandemic came on there you never heard actuaries too. I noticed the same thing. I actually yeah. tried to even send a note uh, to President Trump's Twitter, which was probably useless, but yeah. say you know yeah. you need an actuary involved in this. Of course, I never yeah. saw an actuary involved in anything that they were doing yeah. with coronavirus. Um, right. at the time, and it, it was probably evident that you didn't see it. But wh why don't you think actuaries or other quant professionals had any influence when it came to significant risk management issues? Was it was it the actuaries just not getting involved, or was it others others just not seeing value in the actuaries or a combination? A combination, and that the, the question is a really convenient one because that's essentially where the brand was born. It, if you look at my website, I have... I talk about the story of the brand and it came from three specific things. The first one was a lack of 
uh, not having um, a lack of name ID or name mm -hmm. recognition. Right. So people just don't know. You know, we don't we don't have name ID. Nobody. Most people just don't know what an actuary is. Right. Um, the second thing is lack of or not having, in my opinion, an, an, ex, an easily explainable value proposition. I think anyone who has been an and and my example is specific to actuary. So I, right. that's probably an easier way for me to explain it because that's what started for me and then I expanded. But, you know, the second one, like I said, is uh, lack of an explainable value proposition. We've all gotten the question of what is an actuary? We all have a different definition and the right. definition varies in length. But the average person, it's very hard for them to understand and conceptualize what it is if they've never worked with actuaries before. So I think when people try to explain what it is, like the average person tunes out. And the average person also never really interfaces with an actuary. Like, of course, the average person has, or everyone essentially has an auto, at least an auto insurance policy if you own a car. Right. But you're working with an agent. You're not ever interacting. I never. I'm glad you asked this because I didn't think of it this way. But yeah, the average person is not going to have a, any transactions with an actuary. So right. they're not going yeah. to have any interactions. Uh, and then the third one was the third thing is lack of a strategic uh, mindset. Um, and for for me, it's it's more when I when I think of of actuaries and how we've been trained, it's been. I guess originally when, when the profession came about, the focus was more on insurance, less so than less so about risk, broadly speaking. So I think we've been trained to think that insurance is the only place that we can play. And this is very subjective, by the way, this, this, this observation for me, I'm not saying it as a matter of fact, my, based on my time in the profession, I found the, you know, the, the, the membership to, to be a little bit, um, I don't know if I would use the word mercurial, but sorry, not mercurial, very territorial. They, mm -hmm. Yes. They, it's very avant-garde. It's okay, well, we are this apart. It kind of has like a country a country club vibe about it. It's, you know, we are a small profession and a small group of, of highly elite individuals and highly qualified, which we are qualified. But, um, you know, the, the intention is never really to grow. It's more to kind of, and no, no one will say this publicly. It's just my instinct is I think uh, the membership tends to prefer the numbers to be smaller than larger because I think it doesn't give them a heightened sense of importance. So for me, that's not being very strategic because it's thinking of things and having more of a finite mindset. Well, this is how, these are the boundaries of where we can operate in it. Um, so th those three things, the, the lack of name yeah. ID, the lack of explainable proposition, value prop, and the lack of a strategic mindset. And then that's where within Maverick Actuary, the media story strategy came about, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So those are the, those are the main reasons I've observed on my end in terms of why I think we had no, we didn't have that impact. So you, you mentioned, when I was looking at your website, you mentioned uh, something called the Maverick mentality. What, what do you mean by the Maverick mentality? Yeah. I'm glad I looked at this before because I almost forgot, but it's kind of embedded in my psyche, to be honest. I think of it as like three things, like the, the, um, the maverick mentality, I think of being a maverick is someone who's bold. So you're willing to take risks. You're willing to be, to be really daring. You're not willing, you're, you're you know, you're, you're not necessarily just satisfied with the status quo. You are, um, you're bold and you're willing to take risks. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is unconventional, understanding that, there's room to to dream and to dare in the world of of you know insurance risk and analytics. So having you know very daring 
visions of, of how you can utilize your skill set. And then the third one, the third thing in, in terms of the Maverick mentality is, is being influential, is not just being having skills, but having your skills translate to value and, and being able to have someone listen to you when you're in a room or, or you know, like in an environment like within the, the, the corona, the, the pandemic, you know, being able to, to have a seat at the table, essentially. So right. being, so, being a person of influence. So those are the three things uh, like I, I, I think of when I think of the, the Maverick mentality. Those are the things I aspire to, towards. So you, you mentioned one of the things you mentioned here is willing to take risk. And, and I'll, I'll say um, a lot of actuaries are not willing to take risk. Uh, we tend to be risk adverse. Um, I, you know, I don't know if, um, you know, how, how many people who are watching this are, are uh, Christians or, but I, you know, I, I am. And one of the things I do when I pray uh, usually every day, I, I, one of my prayers I pray is I say, um, God, grant me the courage to be willing to risk something new. And, and so it's, it, I, it, and I, I say that because, you know, we tend to be risk adverse, but I, I think we need courage to risk. And because it's not something you, you, you have to kind of go outside of your comfort zone. And I think for a lot of us, we have to go outside of our comfort zone to be risk, to take that risk. Why do you think a lot of actuaries don't want to take that risk? Good question. I think, and I, I think I remember what the tweet you're referring to. I know I, I made a tweet about this earlier this year. I think the main reason for me is when you think of how we've been classically trained, it would come through the exam system. I, I, I think, I don't think this is unique to actuaries. I think this is a symptom of the broader scholastic school system. Yeah. If you think of it, the people who get all the answers right are rewarded. And then the people who get the most answers wrong or told that they're not smart and mm -hmm. they don't get into these schools or deprived of all opportunities in the classical system, the classical educational educational system. So I think the, the, the level of risk aversion that you're seeing in the, the profession is largely speaking, the, the fear and the trepidation that I think actuaries have of, of being wrong and, and not being able to, to operate in a more nimble and agile and dynamic environment as you need to when it comes to something like a pandemic response you know we're tight very tightly wound up to get all the answers solved within a few minutes and that's just that's not how the real world works so i, I think um some of it is the the nature of the of the qualification process and how you know how we've been kind of um trained i mean i don't want to say train but you know what i mean Condition is probably right. the word. Yeah. So, um, listening to your uh, podcast uh, post, it, it was actually an inspiration for me starting mine. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I, I already mentioned I, I had an audio podcast, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, this is my first video podcast, and it's one I wanted to start. But I'm sure there's some viewers who don't know how to start. What are your suggestions for actuaries who want to start? Podcasts, expand social media footprint, uh, do something within social media. I think the first thing that you want to do is be intentional. So ask yourself, why do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first thing. And then you want to ask yourself, well, what what is my personality? And the re what's my personality like? Like, what am I? What do I prefer to do? Do I prefer to write? Do I prefer to make videos? If I'm doing videos, what kind of videos, what kind of content do I want to talk mm -hmm. about? 
And I say that because like when you look at, know that I'm on all the platforms, I know who all the players right. are. The space is still very green. There's really not that many, yeah. Like, yeah. relatively speaking, not many creators, or at least none that have, you know, really had much of an, I mean, had like large impact, I would say in the space. But if you look at the platforms, like if you look at, you know, LinkedIn, of course, that's one of, that's, I'm one of the players there for sure. YouTube, you have other players. Mm-hmm. Um, and the content is very different. You know, like I'm talking about like strategic thought leadership through the lens of Maverick Actuary. I'm talking about corporate experiences um, and a lot of, of those things and short form text for the most part. But the people on YouTube, you know, they're talking, a lot of the creators on YouTube are talking about, oh, a day in the life of my job. You know, this is yeah. what it's like being a pricing actuary. This is what an actuary makes. So the content is very different. And I think it does suit different platforms, suit, suit different personalities. TikTok, of course, is very different. It's right. very, very short. You know, you have to be able to make content for like seven, ten seconds. So, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's first person video. So, like, I know, I know people mm-hmm. who like like making content on TikTok. Personally, I really don't as much. I've done I've done some TikToks and they've done very well, but I yeah. it's, not, it's not my first passion. It's just like, you know, I'm there because it's table stakes if you want to be in the creator game. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm on I'm on the platform and every so often I'll do something, but it's it's not my number one. So I'd say yeah. One of the things I mentioned there is be intentional. Like what are you trying to to accomplish? That will inform who your target audience is. I mean, are you if you're trying to reach people who are in their 50, 40s and 50s, 60s, and probably LinkedIn, if yeah. you're trying to reach people who are in high school, it's probably TikTok. So you know, be very, be very intentional about um, what what you're trying to accomplish. That'll inform your audience, and then be honest about who you are as a person and mm-hmm. what's going to be more com- most uh, most comfortable to you. Like I said, I know creators. I don't want to say personally, but people who I, you know, I know who are active on some platforms, but I. Personally, right. don't think that they would ever agree to do an interview because it's just not their personality, right? They're more introverted and they just they just don't want to do it. So, you know, it, it comes down to to what you're looking for and, and and who you are as a person. Those are a couple of things I've mentioned or mentioned recommend think of. Okay. Um. So you are the second most followed actuary on LinkedIn. So I know most of the people know how to find you, but for those who don't tell our viewers and listeners uh, how to follow you. I would, well, Maverick, maverickactuary.com. That might be the easiest thing. Cause when you go to maverickactuary.com, that's my website on the footer of all of the pages, you'll see all of my 12 social media handles. If I had to prioritize in terms of where I have a presence, I would say, LinkedIn is certainly the most important. That's the one, or LinkedIn and Instagram, but in terms of like my presence and current impact, LinkedIn for sure, post on that essentially every day, multiple times a day usually. Uh, oh, and also my website will like, within the FAQ section of my website or the FAQ page on my website, it will speak, it, it will um, describe very specifically the kind of content I produce on each platform. So it will tell you what, what to look for on LinkedIn, who target audience is, the kind of posts you can expect versus Instagram versus the, the I think right now I'm doing it on six actively producing on six right. platforms. Uh, and then Instagram, like I said, uh, Instagram is the next most important one. The target audience there is more the early career. If you're in the first like 10 years of your career or, you, or even if you're a student, it's a little bit lighter than, well, we have, we have the live with the Maverick, which is of course very serious content. You know, it's a podcast. 
right. but, but other than that, you know, we have stuff, it's, we have some lighter stuff like memes, reels, things that, you know, you can just look at very quickly. And of course, when people are on Instagram, they're in a different state of mind. They're more in entertainment mode. So I do keep that in mind as I create the content. And it's an interesting challenge, but yeah, that, that's the second most important one. Then Twitter, still, I've done some interesting tweets this year. I haven't used it as much as I could because I've just been so busy yeah. with other platforms, but Twitter is, is the next important and then TikTok. So I'd say that those four, I, I, I have also started doing poetry on Tumblr. So I've done two poems okay. so far, two poems. And those are fun, you know, this is something different. I always, I wrote poetry when I was younger and uh, you know, it's just know something because I have that skill. I'm utilizing that uh, for for um, to help spread the message on actuarial. So I, see. I think I mentioned five there. I think I left out. I forget what number six was, but you'll see it on my platform. You see it on my website. You'll you'll see um, the handles at the bottom of the pages, and the FAQ will tell you what what you can expect on uh, on each of those platforms. Well, Dominic, I appreciate you for being my first guest on Actuaries of the Wild today. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you so much and congratulations on starting this and um i you know it, I, when when you said that you were inspired by my podcast like th th those are the kind of things that show me that we are making a difference and and that's exactly what one of the things i'm trying to accomplish is yeah help to get actuaries to push outside you know not 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 for the sake of just coming outside your comfort zone but right but to you know to to lean into things that you're passionate about and and to to add value in spaces that are, you know, outside of the parameters of your day job and the right. things that are strictly defined for you. Cause I think we can add value in, in many other places. So I'm very excited and, um, and happy to hear that you've gotten this off the ground and I think it'll be a very fun experience for you. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. And if you're an actuary, you know, an actuary who's ventured out into the wild, uh, contact me. We can share your story. Uh, you can find Actuaries in the Wild on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Maybe some of those other platforms later, too, like Dominic mentioned. But thank you for joining us on our first episode, and see you next time on Actuaries in the Wild.